Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to 12 Stone. We're so glad that you're here across the campuses. I want to start by just celebrating. Last weekend, 30 people were baptized across the campuses. Can we celebrate that? That awesome. A special shout out, man. What a cool moment. Our worship pastor up at our Jackson County campus, Pastor Chris Peavy, got to baptize his son last weekend. What a special moment. God is moving. Jesus is moving. And this is an incredible time to be a part of the local church because this is a really special week. You know why? What do you think it is? Everyone just give me a, give me a reason why you think this week is going to be special. Anybody? I didn't hear it yet. It's, there's a couple reasons. It's a, it's a tradition unlike any other if you play golf or care about golf, next weekend's the Masters, and the Spirit of God just sort of shows up in Augusta, Georgia, and it's just when Jim Nance starts talking, it's like the Spirit of God is just like, hey, Jason, I love you. I care about you. It's, it's Masters weekend next week, and I can't wait for that. That's one reason. Secondly, we're, we're jumping into what, what the church has called for years, Holy Week. Like, this is the week that we celebrate Jesus' last seven days of his earthly ministry. Like this is a really important time of of year. In fact, in the Bible, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the the Gospels, which chronicle the life of Jesus. Listen to this. 50% of the Gospel of John is spent on just these seven days of Holy Week. 30% of Matthew, 40% of Mark, 25% of Luke is spent on just the last seven days of Jesus's life. It's like the Holy Spirit saying, listen, these seven days are the most important consequential days in all of human history. This is what everything pivots on is the last seven days of Jesus's life. In fact, for families, as you pick up your elementary kids today from K-12, you're going to get this little box. I think we had a picture of it. And it's sort of like a Holy Week kit for you to do as a family where, where every day there's something where, where you talk about what Jesus was experiencing during Holy Week. And then we'll, we'll have a scripture to read about it so you can follow along with the events of this week. And then there'll be a family discussion question and a little activity for you to do because we don't want you to miss what's going on in these seven days of Holy Week. So that's, that's hopefully a tool for you as you disciple your kids and grow them up into this. And, and man, this week's going to be an awesome week for the life of our church, hopefully for the life of your family. And it culminates next weekend in, in Easter. But before we get to Easter, we got we to gotta deal with today. In Holy Week, today is Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, and we get to sit inside of that story. But let me, let me give you a question to sort of get our minds, minds flowing here. Have you ever been really excited for something? High expectations, high hope, then you experience it and you leave disappointed. Anybody? Have you ever had that experience? Like maybe it was your, your kid's first baseball game, and you get a phone call from work, you're like, I'll be right back, and you miss his first home run. You're like, oh, you don't get that one back, right? You leave disappointed. Have you ever, like, maybe, maybe you had, like, a spring break trip planned, and you're at the beach, and it rains the whole time? You're like, God, I wanted the sunshine, the sand, and it rained. You're like, I could have watched movies for free at my house, right? 
Have you, I don't ever like recommended a restaurant to you and you showed up and you're like, this is going to be awesome. Me and a couple of my, my boys were like, we heard about this Spanish restaurant that people kept talking about. And so I was like, my problem is when I heard Spanish restaurant, I heard tacos. And so I was like, yeah, dude, Spanish restaurant. We get there. For those of you who are simple like me, Spanish is not tacos. Spanish is anything but tacos. See, I got there, and what do they do? They blended up raw salmon into this patty, and they put fish egg caviar on top of it, and that was the food. I left very disappointed. I was like, where's the queso? They don't, they don't make queso in Spanish restaurants, folks. About maybe 10, 11 years ago, I'd never seen the band U2 in concert. Any U2 fans? I know it's pretty basic. I get it. I was a huge U2 fan, and I, I found these tickets online that were super cheap. I'm like, perfect, let's go. I show up to the concert, and I discovered why they were so cheap. My seat was directly behind a pillar, and then the, the, the speakers for the second ring of the up, upper deck in the arena were like seven feet from my face, and so it sounded terrible. I couldn't see anything. Listen, I, I went with high hopes, but it wasn't what I expected, so I left disappointed. And believe it or not, that sets the scene for the start of Holy Week. See, when we think of Holy Week, we think of Easter and the celebration the next weekend, but it, it starts somewhere else. So I want to I catch us up historically, biblically. What has been leading up to this moment? Why is this moment so huge? See, through, throughout the Old Testament, there's a pattern that seems to reoccur over and over again, where it's God loves his people, and he sets them up and gets everything ready, and then they turn on God, they mess up, they find themselves in captivity or in war or being attacked or being mistreated, and then God sends a, a, a person or a king or a prophet to rescue them out, and God rescues them out, and they're like, yay, God, and then what do they do? They turn right back to it, they mess it up again, and God, this is the pattern of the Old Testament. If you're visual like me, let me give you a visual. This is a good visual of the Old Testament. Oh, God, we're stuck again. We got ourselves stuck. Help me, God. Pull me out. Oh, God, you're our rescuer. Thank you so much for pulling us out. Wee! And we're stuck again. <laughs> the Old Testament. There's a reason God says he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. Am I right? See, that, that's the pattern over and over and over in the Old Testament. But listen, here's the good news. The prophets in the Old Testament said, listen, you've seen God have to rescue you over and over again. They started to prophesy and say, there is a Messiah coming, a Savior coming that's going to rescue you, not just from your earthly temporary problems, but he's going to rescue you for all of eternity. There's a, there's a Messiah coming. Here's just two of the over 400 prophecies about the Messiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. These prophecies have been laid out for thousands of years. And then the Old Testament comes to a close in Malachi. And there's 400 years of silence from God. Then Jesus arrives. And he shows up and he starts healing and teaching and performing miracles. And people start to go, 
Is this the Messiah that was prophesied for thousands of years? And they start to get excited. And that's where our story picks up in Holy Week. And so in John 12, here's how it picks up. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So Jesus is just outside the city of Jerusalem. We're six days from Passover. What's Passover? It's the celebration and remembrance of one of the times that, that God pulled his people out of the ditch where they were, they were enslaved by Egyptians for hundreds of years, and God sent Moses. And if you remember the story, I'm not going to go into detail the story, but if you remember it, God said, listen, put lamb's blood over the door frame, and when, when I show up, I'll pass over your house, and you'll be spared. So this is the remembrance of these lambs being sacrificed for salvation. Think about this. And so now the historians would say millions of people are flooding into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And the Jewish people would, would celebrate the Seder meal, which was a remembrance of this moment. And this is the scene that Jesus steps into. And Holy Week starts with crowds of people celebrating Jesus, applauding him. The excitement's at an all-time high. Is this the Messiah we've been waiting for? For thousands of years, is this the one? How is he going to save us? What's it going to look like? It's Passover. Is he going to do it like Moses did it? How is this going to play out? And here's how Holy Week starts in John 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast for Passover heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees, which is where we get the very creative name, palm Sunday, and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. This is how Holy Week starts. They're laying down these palm branches, which is like a, a royal, kingly welcome. This is what you do for someone in royalty. And if, if you're on Team Jesus and you're keeping score, you're like, this is getting really good. The scoreboard's piling up. People are starting to realize this could be the Messiah they're waiting for. It's why your kids, when they leave today, they're going to get like a palm branch. If you, if you grew up in church like I did, we used to get the real palm branches. Anybody get real palm branches as a kid? You remember that? Here's the problem. My brother and I used to whip the snot out of each other with those things. Like before we got home, we were covered in welts from these palm branches. So your kids, this doesn't give you well. So that's safer. See, this is, this is a great start to everything. The problem is, if you know scripture, you jump ahead six days. Think about this. From Hosanna, which by the way, Hosanna just means save now. They're saying, save us now. From people crying Hosanna, six days later, they're screaming, crucify him. Six days. From, from laying palm branches at his feet to placing a crown of thorns on his head. Six days. How, how, how does this turn happen from crowds surrounding him crying, Hosanna, the king is here. Six days later, Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The crowd called for his death. And we see our Savior hanging on a cross. Like talk about fair weather fans. How, how do you go from the Messiah's here to disappointment? 
How do I go from wanting queso and tacos to, to raw salmon and fish eggs? Like, I'm so disappointed. How do you turn like that? It begs a question that I think is worth wrestling down. Is Jesus disappointing? That's a real question. And for many years of my life, I would have laughed at that question until life happens. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to wrestle that question down. Is Jesus disappointing? And in order to help you understand what would have been happening back then, I want to I want, to, I want to ask you, ladies, I want you to be honest. When you were dating, maybe you're still dating. At any point, did you write down a list of what you wanted in your future husband? Anybody, ladies, can you be honest with me? Don't make me read your diary. Come on. My wife showed me the list later. I was batting like 700. It wasn't great, but it was not, not perfect, but it was pretty good. See, when you're, when you're dating, you, you write down your list. Like, this is what I expect my future husband. This is my agenda for a future husband. And, man, you want maybe tall, dark, and handsome. Maybe that's what you're looking for. Some of you single ladies are like, mm, may it be so Jesus. I claim it. Listen, I don't know. Like, maybe you're looking for someone who's good with kids, someone who can make you laugh. Maybe just a doctor. Like, I don't care. You can be short, light, and ugly, but you're a doctor. Like, that'd be good. I don't know what your list is, but then you'd go out on a date with somebody and you wouldn't tell them, but you'd put your list up next to the dude you're on a date with. And when he started checking boxes, you get real excited. When you start going, I'm not checking many boxes here. You leave the date disappointed. Listen to me. We all have lists of expectations for a job, for a friend, for a future spouse, for a school. We have these lists, and, and the people back then had lists for Jesus. They had a list of expectations, their agenda for what the Messiah would look like. And so when Jesus showed up, he was very different than they would have expected. And listen to me, Jesus ended up being very disappointing to the crowds in Jerusalem. And he can be very disappointing to us today why? Let me tell you why. Simply put, Jesus will always disappoint you when you try to put him on your agenda. He will always disappoint you when you try to put him on your agenda. Being a Christian, Christianity, following Jesus will disappoint you at some point when you realize Jesus is not going to stay on your agenda. He has an agenda, and the people back then celebrated him one day and then cried, crucify him the next because he wasn't on their agenda, and we still do this. See, when, when, when Jesus seems to be on our agenda, which looks like this, you get the raise, your spouse is serving you, your parents act like you want them to, your health is good, your future feels secure, what do you do? Hosanna and palm branches. And then when Jesus seems to be off your agenda, you get laid off. God asks you to serve your spouse. God asks you to serve your parents. You get a diagnosis you weren't expecting. Your future feels scary. It's no longer Hosanna and palm branches. It's, it's crucify him in crowns of thorns. And you, you turn on them just like the people back then did. The circumstances back then were not wholly different than they are today. 
See, Jesus arrives to celebration, but soon after the disappointment starts to set in. Let me start to show you why they'd be disappointed. So they're laying palm branches down, and then the story continues in John 12, verse 14 and 15. Then Jesus, who had found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. What's happening? First of all, Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah 9.9, where it said that second half of the verse. But secondly, Jesus was declaring the nature of his mission. When he showed up on a donkey, people were really confused. It wasn't the picture they had in their head for their Messiah. In fact, here's the, the first disappointment that the people had in Jesus. Jesus didn't act like they thought he should act. Jesus didn't act the way they thought he should. You see, what they had in their mind is they expected the Messiah to show up as a conquering military-like king. Like they, their expectation, their little diary list for, for their Messiah, this is what I want my Messiah to look like. Here's what their list was. He'd show up like other conquering kings would have back then on a giant war horse that, that stood hands above any other animal. And they expected him to come in royal clothing and to look like a king. And then Jesus shows up riding a little donkey. I almost read it in the King James Version because the word they use for donkey is way funnier, but my kids would never forgive me. So he, he's on a, like, I want you to picture this, not just a donkey, but like a, like, a, like a young donkey that's never been ridden. So Jesus would have sat down and his feet would have barely been off the ground, maybe even dragging. And this is the Messiah? Like, like, I expected my Messiah to look different than this. You see, the people had put Jesus on their agenda, and their agenda was for Jesus to show up as a king, to use his power to overthrow the Roman government who was occupying their land and treating them horribly, to go overthrow Caesar and to become the king of the world and establish an earthly kingdom and then to give these people power. The Messiah was right there in front of them. And because he wasn't on their agenda, they left disappointed. Isn't that fascinating? I always tell myself, if I lived in biblical times, I'd have been one of the 12. I'd have been one of the disciples. I'd have gotten picked. I would have been so faithful. I'd have believed everything. I'd be like, hey, Jesus, do the water walking thing. Yeah, dude, like, Jesus, turn that water into wine. This Friday night is lame. Give me some water to wine, Jesus. And I'd have been, like, real faithful and believing. And I'd have been the disciple that, like, it would have been a fifth gospel, the gospel of Jason. I'd have recorded my stuff. But the reality is, when Jesus doesn't meet the expectations of our agenda, we get disappointed. How for, you'll find yourself somewhere, maybe. How disappointing is it that Jesus is not a political figure here to fix our country's political problems. Some of y'all go, man, I'd trade this cross Jesus for a political one any day. Fix it. Careful. How disappointing is it that Jesus isn't an enforcer here to punish all the people that have hurt us? Some of y'all are like, listen, grace for me, vengeance for thee. How many of y'all like, it's, it can be so disappointing that Jesus isn't a social worker 
here to fix all the problems and people in our society. Just fix poverty and inequity and pain and hurt. Like Jesus didn't come for those things. And, and when Jesus doesn't conform to your agenda, it can be so disappointing. There's nothing like the disappointment of a girlfriend on Valentine's Day when you mess up, is there? I was in college. Uh, I think it was junior year. It was February 13th. And my boys all came back from the CVS. We went to a college in a small town. One place. And they had their cards. They had their flowers. They had their stuffed animal. And I went, you all have, what's the date? Oh, no. It's 11 o'clock, February 13th. I drive down to CVS. And the lady behind the counter is like, I know why you're here. And you're in trouble. I went, what's going on? It's like, listen, where's the flower section? She pointed, empty. All right, where's the, where's the candy? It's like hard candy left. It's like an old lady's purse. All this left there is just hard candy. I'm like, no, where's the chocolate? All right, where's the stuffed animals? No. So I went around this little CVS, and I was like, I got to find something. Here's what I ended up walking out of the store with. True story. A, a potted fern, flowers. The stuffed animal that was left. There's one stuffed animal left for a good reason. It was like a snake, like a stuffed animal snake. Like not even like a cute one. Like it looked almost real, but it was soft. So I wrapped that around, and then like a card with no, it was just like a river. Like there's no words, happy Valentine's Day. Just a blank card you get like from your grandma that's like, happy Tuesday. That was the card. And so I go home, and I come walking in my, my, my townhouse with my boys, and they're like, what are you doing? I said, this is all I got. And so I wrap the snake around the potted plant, write like happy Valentine's Day, and put it on a mat in front of her door. And she comes out the next morning, and she's like, thank you, question mark, right? Like, this is Valentine's Day? And I tried to make it like, I was like, the card, this is the clever thing I thought of. I write, you're so, a bunch of S's for the snake, special. And she was like, did you get that on purpose? I said, no, it's all that was left. And, and listen, she left Valentine's Day very disappointed. Because it, her expectations versus what I delivered. And if we can be disappointed about Valentine's Day, think about how disappointing the crowd felt. That this was their Messiah, and it turns out that when the crowd was shouting, Hosanna, save us, they all meant something different when they said it. Isn't that interesting? For some, it was save us from Rome. For some, it was save us from poverty, save us from persecution and pain. For some, it was save us from religious hypocrisy in the temple. Like they all had a different thing they meant when they said, Jesus, you're the Messiah, save us. And they applied their agenda to Jesus. And when he didn't line up to their agenda, they left disappointed. Here's the second thing they were disappointed in Jesus with. That, that Jesus didn't fix what they thought he should fix. Isn't that interesting? That they, they assumed Jesus was going to fix one thing. Roman government, occupation, tyranny, abuse, pain, suffering. And then they watch the Messiah go to a cross and die. Think how perplexed you'd be. Like, wait, what? You, you start with a donkey and common man clothes, not royalty, and then you die? Like, what are you, what are you doing here? 1 Peter 3.18 says what Jesus is doing. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. 
being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus was doing something they couldn't see, but listen, it felt like Jesus was fixing the wrong thing. Like Jesus is, he came to bring us to God and the people are like, yeah, cool. Bring God down here and fix Rome. Like cool, Jesus put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That's awesome. But the problems I'm dealing with are in the flesh here and now. Like it's cool that you fix the spiritual stuff. I got big real stuff here and now. Rome is not good. They're not good people. It feels like Jesus is solving the wrong problems. Have you ever felt that way? You watch the news and go, Jesus, you're solving the wrong problems. From Nashville to weather to sad. Everywhere you look, you're like, Jesus, it feels like you're fixing the wrong things. Jesus, if you would just get on my agenda, I could make this place so much better. You might not have thought it in those words, but you've had thoughts like that because I have. 15 years ago this fall, my parents were in a car accident. If you've been around, you've heard the story. My mom ended up passing away several years later from the car accident. And up until that point in my life, I had never experienced deep-seated disappointment with God. I, I don't have the maturity to publicly share all the thoughts that I had, but thoughts like, God, how dare you? She was a pastor's wife. She served your kingdom. She loved you. I, I watched her wake up every morning and open her Bible and pray and pray, write out prayers and journal. And God, like she was a good one. And this is what you do. Like Jesus, whatever else you're fixing, you're on the wrong problem right now. You know, this season messed me up for a number of reasons, but one of the more, one of the less obvious reasons, it was the first time I realized that God was not on my agenda. Isn't that a sobering thought? That, that I have an agenda and they overlap, but they're not the same. And when I prayed and said, God, heal my mom, and he didn't, it arrested my soul because for the first time as a 20-something, I realized Jesus will always disappoint you when you try to put him on your agenda. And I wish I could tell you now 15 years later, hey, it makes sense now. Let me tell you what God was really doing. He, he, was, he was creating this, and her story was able to help these five people, and it did. The math will never add up. But I can tell you this. Here's what I discovered. Is that Jesus is solving a bigger problem than the one you see. It's not the one I wish he'd have solved, if I'm honest. But he was solving something bigger than I could see. It was in that season, and I still pray this for people who go through loss. It was in that season that that I tasted eternity for the first time. I know it sounds weird, but it was the first time that I was like, I long for eternity because ultimately Jesus did heal my mom. And ultimately she is whole again 
walking with Jesus for all of eternity, and I will see her again someday. Not in like the way you say at a funeral, like, like, hey, we'll see you again. Not like that Charlie Puth song, like, and I'll see you again. No, like I actually believe it. Because Jesus solved something bigger than I could see. And what I wanted him to do was for him to fix her here and now. But listen to me, she would have passed away again. Now she'll never pass away again. Because Jesus was solving something bigger. And here's what I learned about myself. I tend to focus on my immediate problems and miss God's agenda to solve the problem. Which is our problem with sin. Separation from God. Death wins unless you follow Jesus. For most of us, we go to the doctor. We're like, man, I got a sore shoulder, doc. You got any meds? And he goes, you got a torn rotator cuff. You need surgery. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me a little bottle. I'll take it. It'll make it feel better, and I'll move on. He's like, no, you're you're missing the real problem. It's like when you're parenting kids, and a storm comes through, and the power goes out, and they're like, "Uh, Dad, the internet's down. Wi-Fi's not working. And I'm going, son, I'm making sure a tree doesn't fall on the house. I don't care about Wi-Fi. And yet, yeah, yeah, but when could it possibly come back on? Roblox is like, I'm waiting to get on Roblox. I'm, I'm waiting for Minecraft. See, we, we, we start focusing on these, these little problems. And back then, the crowd was most concerned. They were like, listen, just give us relief from our suffering at the hands of Rome. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm not just trying to give you relief. I'm trying to rescue you from your sin, from eternal death, from eternal separation from me. And I, I, I wonder if Jesus would have looked around if Wi-Fi existed back then and said, y'all are worried about Wi-Fi. I'm worried about a tree coming down. You see, here's the statement that I've sat in for 15 years after the loss. And I pray it speaks to us. Listen, when Jesus didn't do what you thought he should do, and we've all felt it, He became who you needed him to become, your savior. Let that sink in. When Jesus didn't do the thing you wanted him to do, you thought he should do, that disappointed you, he became who we needed him to really become. He became our savior. He fixed the real problem. Here's what scripture tells us. Here's what Jesus did. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. This is the agenda that Jesus had walking into Holy Week. This is what he was trying to do. That's the agenda Jesus had. And the people would have settled for so much less. Just get Rome off our back. Just dethrone Caesar. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'll do you one better than dethroning Caesar. I'll dethrone Satan. Sin. Death. So that ultimately, it's not that God doesn't care about our problems. Because listen, listen to how he describes what eternity is going to be like. Here's what he showed John in Revelation. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, this is what he, he won for us on the cross. This is our future followers of Jesus. 
Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Because I want that stuff here and now. And Jesus says, You'll have those things in the hereafter. But we get stuck between Jesus' finished work on the cross. It is finished and not yet. That's where you live right now, by the way. It is finished. That, not yet. And the gap between those two things is where disappointment sits. Back to the question, is Jesus disappointing? It's an honest question. And the answer is, Jesus will always disappoint you if you try to put him on your agenda. When the essence of following Jesus is that you and I get on his agenda. See, the solution is not for Jesus to stop disappointing us. It's for us to get on his agenda. And the good news of Easter is only realized when you understand his agenda. See, our problem is we minimize our sin problem. and We focus on our temporal earthly problems, which are real, by the way. When I lost my mom, I wasn't like, no biggie, Jesus conquered sin and death on the cross. No, it was terrible. But ultimately, 15 years of perspective, I would not trade what Jesus chose to solve. Because he solved it forever. He pulled us out of the ditch and then sealed the ditch off. You can't jump back in again, dummy. He didn't just fix our earthly pain. He fixed our forever pain. See, that's why we get so jacked up for Easter. Because this is what we're celebrating. A God who didn't just fix Rome, but God who fixed it for forever. So when I wrestle down the question, is Jesus disappointing? Let me just talk to three groups and I'll have our pastors come up and pray for us. First group is you might not be a follower of Jesus yet. So glad you're here, by the way. What, a better, what better place could there be to wrestle this down? And, and you might not be a follower because you're disappointed that Jesus won't get on your agenda. And I get that. You watch the news and go, if God was real, why fill in the blank? And I get that. But can I tell you what Easter actually is? Easter was God declaring that you are his agenda. That before you ever bowed to his agenda, he made you his agenda. That he would leave the 99 to come get you the one. That he would send his son Jesus to take your consequences for your sin. The beauty of Easter is that you are his agenda. Even before you bow to him, he's wild about you. And here's what I'd tell you to do. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, be here next weekend. Keep searching for the truth of who Jesus is and what he did. 
Don't let your disappointment discourage you and turn on him. If you would meet him, you would discover he is wild about you. Second group, you might be a follower of Jesus, but you're still processing the disappointment like I did. Because the disappointment is real. He disappoints. Every time I hold up my agenda and say, here's the plan, Jesus, and he diverts. He's not trying to disappoint me. He's just not willing to walk away from the agenda God has for him. So I would encourage you, maybe today you just need to admit, God, you've disappointed me. When I got that diagnosis, that was disappointing. The way my marriage ended disappointed me. The prayer I prayed for decades that you never answered, it disappointed me. Can I tell you something? He already knew that you were disappointed. But the relationship stays distant as long as you keep it secret. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus. You need to start just as our pastors pray over you. You just get honest. God, this, this, this is not what I expected you to do. And I pray that God's going to remind you that he is solving bigger problems than the ones you and I can see. And that maybe for Easter, for you next weekend, it's just a reminder, this is what Jesus did for you. And then lastly, for anyone who claims to follow Jesus, if you believe this stuff, like I do, get on his agenda. And what's his agenda for, for the next seven days? It's Easter. What is Easter about? He came to seek and to save the lost. And so you have six days. Interestingly, the same amount of days that people have between Palm Sunday and Easter. And in those six days, they chose to let their disappointment turn them from Jesus, and they missed the work of the Messiah. Maybe for you this week, God would give you an opportunity to make one last invitation for Easter. Someone you get to bring with you and say, come to church with me. Don't just say, come to my church. Say, what service you want to come to? 12 Stone Home. Don't just say, come on over. Say, I'll come get you at your door, walk you to my, my living room. One last invitation because God's agenda for Easter is that next weekend, hundreds and hundreds of people would experience the saving, rescuing hand of Jesus. And here's the cool thing. We get to be a part of his agenda in doing it. So pastors across the campuses, would you seal this moment, pray over us, and tell us a little more details about what it looks like for us to invite next weekend. Pastors, lead us well. Oh, so good. Angel, will you yeah. um, just pray for us? Can pray for those groups? Yeah. yeah, let's pray together. So God, we just thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you loved us enough to send Jesus to solve our greatest need, mm -hmm. our need for salvation, our need for a Savior, our need for eternal life with you, Lord. Um, God, we just thank you for that. And I pray right now for all of our friends who are still seeking you, who are still exploring what it means to walk with you and to have a faith that's rooted in you. God, I pray for people like that who are with us today. God, would you just reach them where they are? Would you reveal more of yourself to them? Would you show them that you are a God who loves them, who cares for them? And there is nothing greater than a relationship with a God like that. And I just pray that anyone who's still exploring that and seeking that would, um, would just hear that today. And would your voice be really loud? 
um, wherever they are today. They just have an encounter with you. And God, I pray for Easter next weekend. I pray that it's not just one day that we celebrate the risen Christ, but God, that it's just a day that we extra celebrate it because we celebrate you every day. And um, I pray for us to have the courage to invite someone into our home, into, into coffee, God, into a living room, into a service. And would you give us the words to just reach around to those around us to see the people in our lives that need you? Um, and God, would we be showing up with a heart to worship you and to celebrate you? God, just pray that Easter would be a, a day next week that you make a huge impact in our neighborhoods and our communities um, and our services live. Just um, reach in and do what only you can do. And we just love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Hey, it's going to be a great week. And just encourage as Angela just prayed. Hey, maybe invite people to church if they're not ready for that. Invite them to coffee yeah. and build a relationship and whatever you need to do. Hey, also, um, huge day the week after Easter for 12 Stone Home. First time we've ever done it. We're having a global baptism so across 12 Stone Home, nine states, two countries. Um, it's going to be the 16th of April. And so, hey, if you've been thinking about maybe being baptized and and just kind of wondering what all that means and what does it mean to actually put your trust in Jesus, we encourage you this week or next week, talk to your home leader. They're going to get creative. You're like, there's not a baptismal pool in our backyard. Um, they're going to get creative and figure out how we can actually actually baptized. So I encourage you to be a part of that. It's going to be a, a fantastic celebration of, awesome. of new life. I'm so excited. Okay, so we have a conversation to have. Okay. And um, this is our favorite part of 12 Stone Home. Yeah, is actually discussion, discussion, unpacking what Jason's been teaching. And um, we've been talking about the question. We wrestled, you and I wrestled with yeah, it a little bit. Yeah, we had a lot of conversation. Yeah. Because there's such a, there's what he was just talking about, there's such an interesting um, middle ground of where Jesus meets, meets you, or mm -hmm. at least I was telling David, there's like the clarity side right. and the comfort side right. of like, all right, on this side is where maybe I had expectations on Jesus to be mm -hmm. on my agenda and therefore right. I'm disappointed. Right. Well, the encounter I get to have with Jesus is he brings clarity to that yes. and clears that up for me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, these are the things I'm doing. Right. I have, I've, I would, I need to solve this. Right. Or I'm solving this right. where you expected me. Right. And maybe that is disappointing, but that is not on the Lord. However, then there's this side of like hurt, real hurt and pain, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. disappointments, loss, it's not with Jason, Tragedy. his mom, yeah. and that whole thing in yeah. that season of his Anything life. Anything like that. So if, if he's bringing me clarity here, then he's bringing me comfort here. Oh, that's good. Of like, there's those two sides of disappointment. But um, the question today would be, where do you need the real true Jesus to show up right. for you in right. your life and, and meet you? Is it on this side? Is it on this side? Is it somewhere in the middle? But not the church Jesus, not the, right. not the Jesus that right. you maybe have seen play out in the church, but where do you need the Jesus that Jason is talking about, the real the real friend right. To, right. to come and um, show up in your life today? That's the yeah. question. Be a little vulnerable. I yeah. mean, um, that, that means there's probably some things in your life where you need the presence of God in a fresh yeah. way. And um, be honest with that. I, I would just encourage you, after, after you have a conversation, just spend some time in prayer and asking him. You can actually say, yeah, I think I need Jesus to show up here, but just ask him. And um, he answers those prayers. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for um, hanging out. Thanks for having me. This I is love fun. You guys. Yeah, so poor fun. Tammy. So, uh, <laughs> the blender bottle will you. move in infamy poor, as poor just its most. Yeah. I will never forget that moment. I opened it up and I looked inside and I was like, is this a plastic bead? <laughs> it's basically just for chocolate milk. It's never going away. It's never going away. It's, never, sitting, it's yeah. sitting in the Amazon yeah. box. We're going to bring it next week. Maybe yeah, now, probably. Yeah. Hey, thanks for being here with us. And um, hey, have a great, um, we'll see you Easter. Bye bye.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.